Hey guys, it's Miller. It has been a minute since I've been on the Upper Room Dallas podcast. I am so excited about 2023 and the theme of the table for the Upper Room. Uh, we're doing some events around the world uh, that are going to gather the greater body of Christ to the table. One in Estonia, one in Philadelphia, and another in Southern California later this year. I talk about that in the message But this specific topic has been so near and dear to us, and our hope is to invite you personally to the table that you will develop a relationship with the Lord Jesus at the table, eating the bread, drinking the wine regularly. Uh, I walk through 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 30, line by line. Very misunderstood text when it comes to uh, taking the meal in an unworthy manner and examining yourself. Paul said that many in the church at Corinth were weak, sick, and dying because they did not partake the meal rightly. I used to be scared to death to take this meal because of those verses, but I believe this message will give you hope, confidence, and faith to rightly approach the table to receive from the Lord what you need for strength, healing, and longevity. So buckle up, get ready. Love you. Thanks for tuning in. Put your hand on your heart. I want to pray for you, and then we're going to hop into the Word. Jesus, we, uh, we welcome you, uh, Holy Spirit, that you would come and continue to feed us your Word. Lord, I believe you're developing a theme in our midst uh, around your table and uh, what you have provided for us, and that it is uh, medicinal, Lord. It, it, it has the power uh, to make us whole based on what you have done Um, that this is our daily bread. And so would you uh, give us um, an appetite for spiritual things? Lord, take us deeper into what has been provided. We love you. We honor you. We bless you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you for the meal. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the bread. Thank you, Jesus, for this table that is readily available for anyone at any time facing anything. And so we tonight, Lord, want to come with expectation that you are going to meet us and that you're going to feed us and that you're going to do what only you can. So uh, be enthroned upon every life, be enthroned upon every soul, be enthroned upon every marriage, be enthroned upon every family, be enthroned, Lord. May you be exalted. May you be glorified, God, through every trial, through every fire, through every, uh, Lord, those that are facing temptation and struggle, Father, would they be encouraged? Would they leave in faith? Would they leave, Lord, with strength that only you can provide, God? So would you restore unto us the joy of our salvation, Lord, that we find at this table. Uh, So we love you, we honor you, we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Uh, So the table of the Lord is something that has really been highlighted to me personally. I know Peter Lewis. I'm so grateful for Peter Lewis. Are you grateful for Peter? Peter is... uh, Peter's one of my best friends. He's one of my favorite preachers. He has personally um, imparted the gospel to me. I've watched him grow in his understanding and the revelation of the gospel. And so God has been speaking to him and the Braveheart guys. Uh, And it's really across Christendom. I hear so many people speaking about the table. And so we want to uh, position you to receive from the table of the Lord what has been provided. Uh, and and I, I, really, I really mean this individually. Uh, I mean it for you 
who are in this room for you and your marriage, for you and your family, if you, if you can catch revelation of what has been provided and start gathering around the table, I believe we're going to start seeing miracles. I believe we're going to start seeing breakthrough. I believe testimonies, I think we're scratching the surface, but where we're heading, I think we're all going to be blown away by what we've had access to all along. All along, it's been here for us. But, but he is gonna, he's going to strengthen our faith around what has been provided. And it's, it's not just, I said, it's not just us. We, we are feeling um, it not only in America, but across the nations. And so there's several events this year that I wanted to just highlight uh, that are centered around the table. So Peter Lewis, our own Peter Lewis, is leading an endeavor and an initiative on July 3rd in Philadelphia at Independence Hall, which I think is, is where they signed the Declaration of Independence um, he is gathering around 500 to 1,000 pastors, and we are going to gather around the table of the Lord, and we're going to repent on behalf of our nation. We're going to ask God to pour out his spirit, and that there would be a great awakening in America, and we're calling pastors not only that day to come to the table, but we're calling them from that day forward that they will weekly take communion as a family, that this won't just be something we do once a month, once a quarter, but it's something that we do every week. And so we're seeing life on that. We feel like he's speaking to us as leaders of leaders to call those leaders to the table. Uh, the second endeavor we're doing is in Estonia on May 27th. So Sergey Lou Engel, uh, Rabbi Boris was here last Sunday. He is um, a, a Messianic rabbi who pastors the largest Messianic community in the world. His 2,500 Messianic believers in Kiev, Ukraine. They have not stopped meeting since the war. Uh, the testimonies that he had that you can watch them. It looks, it, honest, honest to God, it looks like upper room on a Sunday night, his church does. They've got flags, they've got dancing, and there's no electricity, and you can hear bombs landing in the city of Kiev, and they're still worshiping the Lord. Uh, and so Rabbi was here last week, and he, along with Sergey and uh, a number of other friends, were going to gather on a field. I think we have this. Uh, this is the field that we're gathering on, uh, May 27, 2023. And uh, we're calling that region to the table of the Lord. We're, we're going to set a table in the middle of the field. And there will be preaching. We'll preach the gospel. But ultimately, what we're going to call the church to is the table of the Lord. Because in the presence of our enemies, he what? He prepares a table for us. And if you don't know where Estonia is, it's right in the middle uh, of, of, of Ukraine, Russia, Belarus, uh, Finland's just on the other side. And so I asked Sergey, how many people do you think would come? And uh, he said, I don't know, but the field can fit hundreds of thousands. Think about that. Hundreds of thousands to gather in a field. And we're going to cry out to the Lord uh, to, to intervene on behalf of this conflict. If you read the news, they're saying the war is only going to escalate, nuclear war, potentially, who knows. But we're going to petition the God of heaven to invade earth and to end this thing. And I, I believe that I believe the table's the answer. And so we're doing that in Estonia. So you got Independence Hall, July 3rd, Estonia, May 27th. And then the last one that we're doing is uh, in September, uh, we're going to host again Gen Z for Jesus. We did it in Frisco in September, 7,000, just under 7,000 Gen Zers showed up from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. They worshiped. We didn't announce a speaker, a band, but they came because it, they knew it was their generation unto Jesus. And so we're going to Southern California. We're going to go right in the middle of L.A., and uh, this event is centered around what? The table. We're going to set a table in the middle of this generation and call them to it. We're going to preach the gospel. We're going to feed them the gospel. 
And uh, we're going to commission them to take communion daily on their campuses. We're believing for a holy communion revival to sweep the nation and to sweep this generation. I know that you don't have the faith that I have right now, but I'm going to keep talking because I believe that the table is the answer and there's a revival coming. And it's around a table. It's not around a gift. It's not around like not around a band. It's not around a conference. It's going to be around what he has provided the blood, the body. It's what we need. And we can't like, I love Peter's book. Um, keep the blood warm. We can't get over what he's done. We can't get past it. It's not, it's not the beginning of the Christian faith. It is the Christian faith. This table is it. He feeds us daily himself, his body, his blood. It's our life source. Paul would say this in 1 Corinthians 11, and it's this text we're going to. I'm going I'm to kind of skip ahead of myself, but he would say, for this reason, many of you are weak, sick, and dying. Talk about what's been provided. For this reason, many of you are sick, weak, and dying. He's speaking to believers because Paul tapped into something about this meal that the people that were coming to the table did not have revelation of. It's more, than a, it's more than just this sacramental, like, religious activity that we do. And I want to increase your faith in it. I, I, believe, uh, I believe that many of you, there's ailments in your life, there's diagnoses in your life, there's chronic disorders in your life, and if you will sit at this table, if you will humble yourself and come under this revelation, I know you've heard it before, but if you'll humble yourself and come to the table with fresh eyes and a humility and a, a purity, I believe he's going to feed you and you're going to start seeing him do things that you never thought he would do. So the table, you know, it's interesting to me that uh, the curse the curse that came from the fall in Genesis chapter three, um, everything wrong with mankind, sickness, disease, um, uh, sin, self-hatred, divorce, poverty, immorality, uh, immorality, mass shootings. Another one this week, foreign nations sending spy balloons across our nation, (laughs) whatever that's about. The wars, rumors of wars, the conflicts, you know, it all started with a bite. It all started with a bite, the power of a bite (laughs) and that the Lord and his redemptive nature, he calls us to a table and he says, the curse that came through a bite is now going to be redeemed and broken off of you through another bite. It is good. It's so good. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. This is how we taste and see. It's not just metaphorically. It's not a Hillsong song. It's a table that he provided. And he's saying, taste, taste me and see how good I am. Even from the beginning, when the table was introduced, this is what I found fascinating. Um, in every context where, where like the, the, the wine and bread are introduced, it's centered around war. It's centered around a battle. So Abraham, um, Abraham was going to, uh, I believe Lot was at war and he was going to, to, to fight a battle and he took 318 of his own men. They said they were born and raised in his house. 
And uh, he took 318. And I, I, whenever I see a number like 318, I'm always like, like, why 318? Why not 317? Why not 319? 318. And so I don't know about you, but on my phone, in my favorites, I have Rabbi Jason's number. And so what I do is I just say, hey, Rabbi, I got a question for you. And so this morning I said, hey, Rabbi, 318. What's the significance? Because, you know, in the Hebrew, the letters are actually numbers. Numbers are letters. Like, it's so... I don't get it all. I need to take more Hebrew. I have apps where I can unpack this, but how many of you know we all need a rabbi? So I've got Rabbi Jason. And so I'm like, Rabbi Jason, what's up? 318. And I'm already kind of developing this theme in my heart. And he, he, he said this, the short answer is 318. So profound. He had no idea what I was asking. Is the numerical value for Eleazar. Now, Eleazar means this, God is my helper. The battle was won not because of the men, which was small in comparison to the armies they faced, but when God is your helper, you can win against any odds, for he can easily deliver the many into the hands of the few. 318, and God said to him, 318, good land, good God, he is my helper. So 318, Eleazar, God is my helper. So that 318... It speaks of God helping Abraham, and then Melchizedek comes, which is uh, it's kind of a cameo appearance of Jesus, Melchizedek. He's the priest of Salem, and he brings out wine and bread, and he feeds Abram. Wine and bread. It's the first introduction of the wine and bread and the table. So you've got Abraham, and then you fast forward to uh, the institution of the Passover meal, which is what Jesus was taking at the Last Supper. They were gathered around a Passover Seder. And the Passover Seder started in Exodus chapter 12. Now, you know this story. Uh, the Israelites had been in captivity for 400 years, and they were surrounded by their enemies. And so what does God do? God sets a table in the midst of every Hebrew home. They take a lamb. They, um, they, they drain the blood of the lamb into a basin, and they put the blood on the door, and the angel of death passes over uh, the Israelites' homes and kills the firstborn of every Egyptian. And the next day, they were set free. The next day, they were uh, delivered from their captors. And uh, Psalms 105, verse 37 says that the next day when they left, they left with gold, silver, and none among them was feeble, which means none among them were sick. So this is all about the table. So here we have Abram, Surrounded by enemies, Melchizedek bring bread and wine. Here you have the Israelites in captivity. There's nothing they could do. They've been in captivity 400 plus years. The angel of death passes by. They're delivered from their captors and they're delivered in abundance. They're delivered gold, silver, and health, healing, wholeness. Eleazar, God is our helper. Amen. You have David's revelation of it in Psalms 27 or Psalms 23, uh, verse five. He says, in the uh, presence of my enemies, you what? Prepare a table for me. The presence of my enemies, you prepare a table. David knew about the table. Even Jesus himself, like the last supper, it's not, it, it's, it's, it's a night of, of, of tribulation for Jesus. It's a night of great trial where a betrayer, a, a betrayer is at the table. The one that's going to turn him over to be murdered is at the table. And what's Jesus doing? He's feeding him. He's feeding his betrayer. Talk about an enemy at your table. 
It's in that that Jesus institutes uh, the meal. And so I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. If we're going to know the table and know the revelation of the table, then we've got to understand uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26 through 30. This is probably the most in-depth understanding that we have of the table. This is Paul's uh, instruction to the church at Corinth because they were missing the boat when it came to the table. Uh, Some were starving. Others were getting drunk. There was just social disorder there. There wasn't unity when they came to the table. Uh, Paul would say, by one bread, you who are many are made one. And so he's talking about union. He's talking about intimacy. He's talking about their common need. But I want to walk through because if you don't read this with the right lens, you can get really wonky. You you can get, it it gets really confusing if you read this text uh, wrongly. And I've actually heard it preached most of my life. I heard it preached in a way that it condemned me. I never felt like I could boldly come to this table. I always felt like I needed to be introspective. I felt like I wasn't worthy to come to the table. Um, I grew up in a tradition where we took uh, the Lord's Supper every Sunday. I'm grateful for that. Uh, I grew up knowing that Sundays the Millers take communion. Remember, we were in uh, uh, California one year. I was like seven or eight, and we were going to go to Disneyland, which is glorious as a seven-year-old. So what do I do? I wake up as a seven-year-old thinking, we're going to Disneyland. Here we are. Like, my brothers were fired up, and my dad, instead of driving to Disneyland, he pulls into a Church of Christ. I'm like, this is not Disneyland. This is not Disneyland. What are we doing? You didn't say, hey, we're going to go to church. He said, we're not going to church. We're just going to go inside. and going to ask them if we can take communion. And multiple times throughout my life, I remember my dad on vacation, out of town, wherever we were, he would drive into a Church of Christ, go into the kitchen, and we as a family would take communion. Like, my dad just... He, he, he instilled this in me that on Sundays, Sundays are for the Lord's table. Uh, but also around that teaching, I heard first Corinthians chapter 11 taught a lot and it talked about not taking an unworthy manner. And I just never felt good enough at the table. I always felt scared when I took this. I always felt like I'm going to be weak, sick, and maybe die because I'm not worthy to take it. That's in this context. So let's read it. And maybe I can give you faith to come to the table, uh, because I think that's what Paul was attempting to do at the church at Corinth. So uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 is where I'll start. For I received, for I received. So this is so crucial, these three words when coming to the table. Uh, you don't take the Lord's Supper, you receive it. Thank you. You don't take it. You're receiving it from him. And so Paul is saying, I received revelation about the meal from the Lord. And, and, and I love this because the first two verses, there's nothing new. So Paul says this, for I received from the Lord. So the Lord spoke to Paul about this meal. We don't know when or where that was, but we do know Paul had specific personal revelation from the Lord. He was not at the Last Supper He was not at that table, but at some point, the Lord came and spoke to him about the table. And he says this, he says, "Uh, that which I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed. So he mentions betrayal. I think it's really significant that there was an enemy of the Lord at the table. He was betrayed. He took the bread 
And when he had given thanks, thanksgiving's important, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 25. In the same way, he took the cup also after the supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So there's nothing new there that Paul had received from the Lord. We can read the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all give us those details about the meal. So this is just review from the gospels. But 26 is the revelation that he received. 27 enters into instruction, but 26 is the revelation that Paul received from the Lord. This is it. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, I'm just going to talk to this just a little bit because I really want to get to the next couple of verses. But Paul's res- revelation, I think, is profound. Uh, first is for as often, which means whenever you take it. I don't know if you grew up in a tradition that someone, like I've been in churches where I can't take it because I'm not a part of the denomination and I have to walk up and cross my hands and I can't eat it. Um, I, I, I grew up in the tradition where you had to take it at the church. But, but I, I take Paul at his word for as often, which means you can take it anytime. And I believe you can take it anytime, anywhere. I believe you can take it anytime, anywhere, facing anything. I believe this is readily available to us personally. It's readily available to us as couples. It is always there. There's a table that he's prepared that you have access to. So for as often, if you have a question, how often can I take it? As often as you want. I know a lady that was diagnosed with ovarian cancer and she tapped into the revelation that I'm going to give you today. And she would take communion up to 20 times a day. Is that fair game? I think it is. I think it is. And she was healed, by the way. She has an incredible book on it. Her name, uh, I forgot her name. She's a sweet woman, though. Barbara is her name. <laughs> what is her book? I need to, need to share it. I'll, 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 I'll get you all that resource, but it's an incredible book. Let's let Paul interpret Paul. So, so in, in, in 2 Corinthians, Paul uses the same word. He uses the same word about examining oneself. And in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, can you throw that up there? 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. Look at this, test yourselves to see if you are in the what? To see if you're in the what? Faith. And then what are the next words? Examine yourself. So this this would have been connected to 1 Corinthians. This is 2 Corinthians. There was probably three letters to the church at Corinth. But this is all in the same flow and vein. And so Paul interpreting Paul, he's telling them to examine themselves in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Here in 2 Corinthians 13, he's telling them the same thing. Examine yourselves, but you're to examine yourselves for what? Faith. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail the test? So what, what test examination are you doing? You're examining yourself for faith. Faith in what? What you're proclaiming his death until he returns. So, so the examination that you do is you, ex- in light of what you're facing, in light of what you're bringing to the table, you examine yourself for faith in the meal that you're about to receive. The, the meal is actually the meal that makes you worthy. You can't get worthy without 
actually receiving what's been provided at the table. If you could make yourself worthy to get to the table, then you don't need the table. The table is what makes you worthy. And so the examination is that I'm going to come with faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing what? What you're proclaiming. What are you proclaiming? His death until he returns. Where's that found? In the blood and the body that's been provided for you. So the manner in which you take it that's worthy is that you have to come in faith. Listen, when, when in, in Exodus chapter 12, when the blood was, uh, it's, I'm going to talk about the blood next week. Today, I'm going to talk about the body. But, but in Exodus 12, uh, when, they, when, they, when they put the blood in the basins and then they took hyssop and put it on the doorpost, it actually made a cross on the doors. It's a fascinating revelation. But he says this in Exodus 12, I believe 13. He says, the blood's a sign to you. But he says this, when I see the blood, this is the Lord speaking. When I see the blood, I'll pass by. When I see the blood, I'll pass by. What is that saying? It didn't matter what the Israelites thought of the blood that was on their door. All that matters is what God saw. Faith comes by what? Hearing. Hearing what? The word of the Lord. So the word of the Lord to the Israelites is put blood on your door, and when I see it, I'll pass by. So their faith was in his perception of the blood that was on their door, not their perception of the blood. So to take the body and blood in a worthy manner, it's to get God's perspective of his son's blood and his son's body. When he looks at that table, he sees something much differently than you. He's not looking at your circumstances. He's not looking at your sin. He's not looking at all the problems surrounding the table. He's looking at the solution of what has been provided by his son. This is examining yourself for faith in what he sees when he looks at the meal. Examine yourself in doing so to eat the bread and drink the cup. This is another one. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. So if you don't judge the body rightly, you're judged. Why? Because you're already judged. The the meal is what takes the judgment off of us. And, and specifically, I, I'll show you this. It, it, it's really Paul's specific. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. Judge the body rightly. He's talking about the body here in the next line. For this reason, many among you are weak, sick, and a number asleep. So the results of not judging the body rightly. He doesn't say the blood, does he? What does he say? Judge the what? Body. And for this reason, verse 30, for this reason, there's singular reason. For one reason, many of you are weak, sick, and a number asleep. So I think Paul is speaking about the purpose of the body. And the purpose of the body is to heal your body. Like a purpose, I thought Peter nailed this on the head last week about the ministry of Jesus and Jesus healed all. And he talked about the bread being provided for our physical healing. And I, want to, I really want to go there again um, because I think it's important. I think it's something you need to hear over and over and over and over and over and over again. I think sometimes we come through the bread tunnel last week and we eat the bread and we walk out and we're like, man, I didn't get healed. That's like, so what? 
Don't stop. Sometimes it happens in a moment. Sometimes it happens over a time and season. Like my doctor recently, he had a sore throat and he's like, I'm going to give you an antibody. And he said, you have to take it for 10 days. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, Michael, listen to me. He knows me. He's a friend of mine. You have to take it for 10 days. So I took it three days, felt better and forgot about it. Right? So day five, my sore throat comes back and I'm like, man, that thing didn't work. And then I'm like, wait, 10 days. I needed to take it 10 days. So I picked up on like the seventh day. Long story short, he had to give me a new antibody. But my point is, is that I think sometimes we treat the meal this way. It's like, oh, well, I I tried that. I took it. It didn't work. And this is not, this is not like, it's not the silver bullet one time. Oh, it worked for them, not for us. This is something that we daily partake in. It is daily bread for us. Just like if you're prescribed a prescription, you will take it over and over and over and over again. And this meal is that it's something that we take often. So we judge the body rightly. Um, you know, I mentioned about doing forensics on what Jesus gave uh, himself, the torture that he gave himself over to. And, uh, and, and first Peter two 24, can you throw that out? First Peter two 24 says this. It says that uh, it's, it's insight around the, the cross. And he himself bore our sins in his body. Everyone say body. body. He bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might uh, die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds, you were healed. Uh, the, the, the more literal translation is by his stripes, you were healed. And actually, the most literal translation is by his stripe, singular, you're healed. It's not a plural in the Hebrew. It's singular. I'll talk about that in a second. But what Peter's talking about is Jesus going to the whipping post. And, and Jesus went to the whipping post, which he didn't have to. Um, in fact, crucifixion was, it was either crucifixion or the whipping post. But in Jesus' case, they gave him both. And, uh, and there were 39 lashes. And it was considered if you would do 40 lashes, you couldn't survive it. And the whipping post was a cat of nine tails. It was a, it was a, a lictor would come out. He's a Roman centurion. A lictor was the, the guy's name. He was a part of that division. And he was a trained professional um, um, uh, with the flagellum. He was trained with it. And at the end of the flagellum had rocks, animal bones, pieces of uh, like pottery, uh, that were sharp and he would stand at a certain distance and he would just get in a rhythm. And what he was trained to do literally is to take ribbons of flesh from who the victim, the, the one on the whipping post, ribbons of flesh off of their back. And, uh, and there's a theologian that, that I was reading about, um, this week who was describing, um, he was describing the whipping post, uh, TJ McCrossan, a Greek scholar highlighted that in the original Greek text in first print, first Peter two twenty four actually says by whose stripe you were healed. He explained that the word stripe was in the singular and not the plural form because Jesus was scourged till there was not even one sliver of skin left on his back. His back was one bloody stripe, one big gaping laceration. According to some accounts, scourging could be so brutal that even the internal organs of the victims could be seen. So why did he do it? 
was he proven his love? Of course he was. But, but, but the work of salvation was intentional. It was specific that he went to the whipping post. And Isaiah 53 says, by his stripes, you've been healed. First Peter 2.24, he's talking about the whipping post, that he went to the whipping post for our healing physically. I was doing some research on this, and uh, I had heard a preacher talk about these, these uh, international disease codes, and, and I didn't believe him, because sometimes preachers make stuff up. Not this one, but some preachers make stuff up, and so I'm like, is that really true about what he was saying? And I, so I started doing some research and had some friends that were doctors and started asking questions, and, and they confirmed it. Um, so the International Disease Code is a list of uh, codes. So any disease that you have, you go to the doctor and they diagnose you with something, there's a code for it. So that universally across the world, these codes uh, translate. And, uh, and there's revisions of the codes and revisions of the categories of the codes. But the, in 2010, um, the IDC codes came out. And look at this. <clears throat> Wait, is this the, okay, so the, the okay, it'll, I'll just walk through it. So infectious disorders, infertility, infertility disorders, neoplasms, all these conditions, all right? And then keep going. So then you got 11 through 19, look at this. I mean, these are big categories and then underneath them are a bunch, but these are just general categories like injuries, substance abuse, poisoning by drugs, keep going, uh, neurological disorders, Keep going. Dental disorders. Okay, so you keep going. And then it ends, you've got 39. Is there another slide or no? There's not. It ends at 39. It ends at 39. Categorically, they have put any disease that you will face, go through into 39 categories. What is my point? Is that there's a stripe for every disease in this room. There's a ribbon of flesh that came off of his back for every disease in this room. By his stripe, you've been healed. <clears throat> now, I, I, I feel this in my spirit. I didn't think I was going to say it, but I feel like I'm supposed to. hundred years ago, probably take me out and stone me if I preach this. Because the church didn't walk at a level of faith to believe in it. What, what they were believing, in like the late 1800s, the question is, how is one saved? Thank God for Martin Luther and the Reformation that one is saved by faith. But it has taken a long time for the body of Christ to build confidence in being saved by faith. So now we have altar calls. Hey, you want to get saved? Pray a prayer. We have Wade walking the cross and this kid prays in the middle of Las Vegas. And we start cheering and clapping because we believe in an eternal exchange to happen. He went from death to life. He went from heading into hell to now he's a born again citizen of heaven. Amen. By faith that happens. But around this topic, when it comes to healing physically. I feel like the Lord wants to build our muscle up at the table and what he has provided. 
How do we grow in that? We come to the table and eat of his stripes. We proclaim what he did in the midst of any diagnosis in this room. Listen, I preach on the tithe a lot. And, uh, and the tithe is just a principle. It's like, hey, if you, will, if you will take the first fruits, the first 10% and give them to the Lord, whether you're broke as a joke, any money that comes in, if you start giving it to the Lord and you position your resources, he will bless you. I preached on it in November and I haven't had a chance to really update you, but I've had two dozen testimonies of people in this church who have seen raises, supernatural, like multiplication of finances. And they're like all caps, you know, like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, it's real, it's real, it's real. Why? Because they just put a principle in place in their lives and God showed up. And I believe this meal is that for some of y'all. If you will take him at his word and you will come to the table, not because I'm preaching on it, but you'll come to the table because it's what he has provided. And you'll start to go over uh, a, a diagnosis of children. And you'll go over uh, diagnoses that are genetic, that just that you inherited from your family. I believe there's power in this meal to heal. Again, Paul says, for this reason, many of you are sick, weak, and dying. What's the reason? You didn't judge the body correctly. But it's more than a Saturday night at the upper room. It's something that I think we've got to do daily, regularly, consistently. I'm taking it for my shoulder right now. I've got a torn labrum. They want me to do surgical stuff. I'm I'm not going to do it. Um, But... I'm believing that I'm taking this bread that it's going to impact my shoulder. And I'm, I actually wasn't able to do this about two weeks ago. So I'm in the right direction. So each week I'll give you, I'll give you an update, <laughs> but I mean, I I've got ailments, I've got deals that I'm dealing with, you know, and I'm, I'm daily though. I'm Lord, this is my source. This is my source. Do I still go to a doctor? Yes. Do I still like take other? Yes. But I'm coming here and I'm like, Lord, this is my source by faith. Feed me, feed me, feed me what you provided. Whether it happens today, next week, next month, next year, I'm going to find it here. That's what I'm convinced of. I'm going to end with this. Uh, well, no, I'm not even going to end with that. I'm going to end now. Um, can you take out your deals? I, I've got some bread. I'm going to invite our ministry team up. And if you need physical healing, um, if you need physical healing, physical healing, I'm going to, I'm going to call you to come up here and these guys will have like the good bread, but everyone else, if you don't need that, take out the, uh, it's all good bread, but you know what I mean? Um, Man, I was at this church the other day, Peter Slover, and they had, the, they had really fancy, uh, it wasn't styrofoam. It was, like, it was like real bread in these things. They were a bougie church though, so I don't know if we have the budget for that. But it was like, I was like, dang, we got to get some of these. It was not this styrofoam wafer, but regardless, by faith, this is the stripe that has been provided for you. So here's what I want you to do. If you need physical healing in this room, I want you to come up here with these guys, grab some bread. If you'll come through and, and take bread and then sit with one of these guys and let's pray for that. But if, if you're not in need of that, I want you to take it with your family, your friends that you came with. And, uh, and let's just, let's go on a journey together. Let's take the Lord at his word and let's take this thing daily. Let's take it daily. Get some goldfish and 
grape juice by your bedside and start taking this daily. So you guys want to take some bread and then I'll, I'll lead you guys out here. So um, if you would take the bread and let's, let's, let's commune together. <clears throat> yeah, I'll let you pray with one another. We'll start with the bread. I'll, I'll, I'll direct that. So by your stripes, Lord, we've been healed. This is our bread. By one bread, we've been made one. So just, uh, just bring the bread before the Lord. Let him, let him minister it to you. Remember just to receive it from his hands. See him giving this to you. See him saying, receive my body. Receive what has been provided. Fresh bread. In Jesus' name. You guys can just keep lining up, though. though. Thank you, Jesus, for your body. Fresh bread, fresh manna. Ooh, I have faith in this room. I feel it. So receive the body. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. 39 lashes. Wow. And then the blood. Next week we'll talk about the blood. But the blood, if, if the body is for your physical healing, the blood is for sin. The blood is for transgression. And uh, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. And so if you feel guilty in the room, like if there's any level of guilt and you're aware of something that you've done, you're aware of like, oh man, I can't believe I did that this week. I can't believe I, I, I thought that, I said that, I did that. If, if you have that, that's called a sin consciousness. It means internally you're aware of your sin. And what the blood of Jesus does is it cleanses us from a sin-based conscience and it awakens our conscience to what Christ has done. And whether you, I, I say this all the time, if you looked at pornography this morning and you're in this room, you don't have to go to timeout. You need to come to the table. Yes. Hear me, you don't need a timeout. You, need, you, don't, you don't like, hey, clean that up and then come to the table. You need to come by faith to the table and say, there's only one way for me to be set freed from pornography, and it's found in this cup. It's the blood of Jesus. This is the most powerful substance that's ever touched the face of the earth, and it has the ability to make you right with God. And it's for past sin, present sin, and future sin. This covers your future. Amen? 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 So even what you do this week, you're taking this in faith that, Lord, this is sufficient. Well, does that mean I can do whatever I want this week? No, you're not getting the point of what you're receiving. This is your life source. And so just say, thank you, Jesus, that my sin is under the blood. And just if you need to confess sin to someone or to the Lord, just tell them, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I, I repent. I come back to the place of faith and receive this. And so I just plead this over your conscience, over your inner world, that the blood of Jesus would just remove any condemnation, guilt, or shame. So all you got to do is say, thank you for your blood. Receive the blood of Jesus.